Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the BMCast. Not a podcast that goes out drinking the night before recording, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. Uh, I'm Scott and I'm joined by the puppet stitcher herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing better than you by the sounds of it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm pretty tired because I played badminton this morning and the day before, so that's kind of caught up with me a little bit. Not really played too much Magic this week because I've been really swept up with work, but I managed to pre-order, or did pre-order, but now pick mm. up because this is out on a Thursday, uh, a bunch of cards from Innistrad Midnight Hunt because I want to play Standard again because, nice. you know, the bad sets are gone and I like having fun. Um, <laughs> so I picked up a bunch of mono-white cards and I'm just trying to source the cards for the rest of the deck. So I've got all the Innistrad stuff, but it's the yeah. stuff from like Zendikar Rising and Strixhaven that just don't exist. Like finding a place at Elite Spellbinders is impossible at the moment just because no one opened them during pandemic. Like it's just a really mm. weird time for demand. So I'm trying to source those at the moment. That is my current quest. Nice. As for non-magic, I fired up my Switch for the first time since Hades came out. Jeez. So that was a long while ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'm back on my retro. And once once my Switch updated after like an hour, because it's been forever <laughs> since I last used it, yeah. um, I'm playing through Super Mario World, which is the old classic SNES game, mm. which I absolutely love. Um, also forgot how difficult it was. Like, that game is not easy, um, but it is fun. Yeah. Otherwise, I've been busy tidying up the bmcast patron there's mm. nothing wrong for the patrons that like, you're all good i'm just tidying up the page making it all pretty and stuff and i've been doing some designs for the bmcast merch store that is oh. happening soon oh. tm which is very exciting um so yeah keep an eye out on twitter for that in, a, in the next week or so we should have some bits up for you mm-hmm. um how about you how are you doing i i'm i'm good ish uh <laughs> so i was out <laughs> drinking for the first time last night in a very long time my friends back in Bray, my hometown, usually hold something for Oktoberfest every year because, well, like we're leaning into the stereotype. We're Irish and we find an excuse to drink, right? And <laughs> since we missed it last year, we had some serious catching up to do. And I don't normally drink anymore, but I had to have a few extra just to spite the whole pandemic for stealing all of those random pints here and there with friends over the past 18 months. So needless to say, I am a little worse for wear today. I'm I'm fine now. I had some, you know, fried food and some caffeine and I'm much better now. But if my voice does sound off today, uh, you now know why, for full transparency's sake. <laughs> so yes, my article this week, by the way, is a, an interesting one. It's the first in a series called Anatomy of a Commander Deck. So this is my own unique take on a sort of deck tech brew guide where I dive into my own brew style, how I build decks, the checklists that I follow while building them, and how I find synergistic pieces to complement the deck overall. So it gives you a deeper insight into how the deck building process may be different for me as it is for you or for someone else. And it might help you get something from it, something new or different from it, even if it's just some inspiration. So that's live now over on Car Kingdom. You can go check that out after the show. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so Emma, this week, I believe it's your turn, though I don't think we're keeping very accurate track of this, but it's card of the week time. 
I blame Angelo for just being on the show randomly. He kind of breaks that <laughs> up, right? Something that I'm sure you'll appreciate at the moment is a bit of silence. So we're going to talk about Hushbringer, mm. which is card from Throne of Eldraine. It is a fairy, so it is a 1-2 for one generic and one white, and it reads. So it has flying and lifelink, and creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. So in, especially in Commander, mm. dies and enter the battlefield triggers are a huge part of the format, so having something to stop those is really, really good. Obviously, if it doesn't affect your stuff, because it is, it affects everybody, not you know, not just your opponents. It can get into the combat, because it's evasive, it's got flying and lifelink, you can throw a couple of swords yep. on it, it's going to push through some damage. If your meta is full of like stuff like Judith, Yarok, or Taser, like a lot of death triggers or double sort of ETB triggers, this is just a really good one just to slam in like a hate bearsy white style deck. Um, can yeah. be good modern and pioneer as well in like sideboards if you anticipate a lot of tribal ETB sort of strategy. So we're talking about humans mm. and spirits, especially if you play stuff like white, it's really good. And because Uro is banned, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So <laughs> like Hushbring is like a free sort of card to play in these sort of matchups. Yeah. If you are after more of an artifact-based one, you've got Tor Prob, which does a similar thing, but works on ETPs rather than death triggers. Either way, it's a sweet card. It's in front of Eldraine. Probably going to go up at some point because rotations yeah. just happened. So yeah, grab a couple if you can. Yeah, it's nice. So we're going to have a quick little version of the week's roundup again this week. So the main thing that sort of happened this week is uh, CFB have announced that they're holding their own non-Magic Fest. So they're just calling it like CFB Las Vegas because obviously it's something to do with you know, copyrights or contracts or something along those lines that they can't use the term Magic Fest. But it's their own con of some sort. And it is modern and... It's Crimson Vow sealed because it's mm. happening the weekend of the release, I believe. Okay. Um, which is interesting. So it's like yeah. mid-November they're planning to do it. Yeah. And in terms of the sort of safety situation with it they are requiring proof of vaccination or a negative test result and masks are required so it's not ideal because you know and i've seen people argue like well what if you like the doctors advise that you don't get one because you're immunocompromised or something like that like does that mean you can't go well the answer is you probably shouldn't be going because it's probably not safe you know it's probably gonna kill you so you should probably stay at home like generally safe to do so it kind of sucks but you need to think yourself that's it so yeah it's not ideal because people that choose not to vaccinate for whatever absolutely asinine reason can just sort of rock up if they want to which isn't great but in comparison to the likes of scg con up until this week where they now require masks and vaccination mandate is uh seems awfully coincidental but up until this point when CFB announced their own one, they were very quiet. Mm, SCG were properly dragging their heels over it. Like I knew they were looking into it like before CFB announced this event, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't look good when CFB does it with this event that's happening like two and a half weeks later after SCG con and now SCG have just gone, Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, we're doing this thing Mm. when we could have announced it the second we announced it SCG con. Like, why is there this delay? Like, it just doesn't look good. Right. You know, it it feels like they just gave into the pressure of a rival company going, Hey, we're going to do the thing, except we look like we actually give a damn about the people that are going. It feels like they, they're doing the safety thing because it's going to lose the money. 
not because they care about the people, which is the issue I have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, have fun with that. Right. (laughs) I guess. So that was, that was, that was the main thing that happened this week. Yeah. Just making sure that you're keeping up to date with all the stuff that we normally engross ourselves in Twitter about. So, (laughs) you know, we, we, we get bogged down in Twitter city. You don't have to. So enjoy that. Uh, That's a good tagline. Isn't it? It's a real good tagline. I think. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that hit. I'll take that hit and I won't like it, but I'll do it for you. (laughs) So, moving on from the week's roundup, we are going to talk post-rotation pickups, or just rotation pickups, because rotation has happened over the last week or so, and... Hooray. Yeah, thank God. I mean, I know that we don't want to talk any more about the cars that have rotated, but there are some that we should probably be sure to mention because they will just go up over time or they're just going to be smart pickups now that may not be too expensive. We're going to be going through this set by set and we're trying to aim to keep these as budget friendly as possible because there's no point in turning around and being like, buy the Great Henge because it's only going to go up. Like, it's like $50 already. Like It's crazy. It's not, it's not a wise investment. It's just not. So, mm. yeah. So we try to keep it for the most part as, a, as, as budget friendly as possible. I suppose we should start at the start where... It all fell apart, I guess, right? Start with the worst one, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Throne of Eldraine. What great set. I know this appealed to a lot of people in terms of theme and everything, but God, it ruined magic for me for so long. I am just happy that I can play my white X1s in standard without the fear of bone bloody crusher giant. And rant. I'm so tired of that card. And that is exactly why we're going to have it as the first card to pick up. <laughs> that yeah, specifically, so. <laughs> specifically the adventure creatures in general, right? So in the likes of Pioneer, you're going to see them all over the place. You're already seeing them in Modern as well. Bonecrusher Giant and Brazen Borrower in particular for those formats. And Beanstalk Giant sees quite a bit of play in Commander as well. Because it's a ramp spell that also just has a huge threat attached to it. So that's kind of nice. None of them are particularly expensive. Brazen Borrower is the most expensive. At like I think it's like $15 each now. Which is it a is bit getting pricey, reprinted in the Pioneer Spirit deck, though. I believe true. there's a copy yeah. in there. So that, that will help leverage the price a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're looking to play Pioneers, there's another one on here that's not on our show notes, is uh, Murderous Rider. I think that's another yes. good one to pick up as well for Mono Black and Pioneer. Mm-hmm. That's one of the more fairer adventure cards. Like, it's just good, but it's yeah. not, like, stupid or busted. But that's a really good one to pick up as well, I think. Yeah, it's a hero's downfall with a body attached, so... Yeah, yeah. it seems good, right? Yep. Similarly, there are other commander things here. Now, the majority of the cards from Throne of Eldraine, by the way, uh, we are talking from the frame of commander for this one, mostly because all of the good cards for the other formats are banned already. So, <laughs> kind of pointless, you know? Good job, set. Yeah, all right. So, three commanders that stand out to me that you should probably pick up if you're in any way interested in playing them. Emery, Lurker of the Lock, Sir Conrad the Grim, and Torbrand, Thane of Redfell. The three of those monocolor commanders are some of the best and most popular and most fun of those colors commanders. So if they appeal to you at all in any way, get them now before they're accidentally like $20 down the line or something and you're going to be kicking yourself. So, you know. And then we're just going to round off with some cards that don't really fit in like into a format, but are just generically quite good because they see it play across the formats. So a really good example of this is Drowning the Lock, which is just a really powerful removal slash count spell in like blue black decks. You see it in modern, you see it in pioneer. It was in standard for as long as you know it was legal. Just picking up a set of those just feels really good because, mm. especially in stuff like modern where the graveyard's really important, Drowning the Lock has a lot of 
lot of power in that format. Yeah. Um, and then you've got stuff like Wish Core Tasman, which sees a li- quite a lot of play in Commander, for example. Yeah. Also crops up in cubes. It's, it's one of those cards that is only going to become more powerful the more sort of cool cards that come to synergize with it. So it's just good to pick a few up because that might raise in price at some point. Yeah. And then lastly, you've got Shimmer Dragon, which just seems a good value creature for Commander as well. Yeah. So the thing with Shimmer Dragon is it was in one of the Brawl pre-cons. So it technically wasn't in the set itself. However, it is kind of going under the radar at the moment. Having the ability to tap two artifacts to draw a card is bananas. It is so mm. powerful in artifact decks in Commander. And there are so many different decks that will just be able to really abuse this. Like, for example, Lonis decks, where they make loads of like clues and treasures and all sorts of stuff. They'll just draw you multiple cards a turn. I have one in my Glacian Togo deck. I have one in my SUR Narden deck. They're just constant card advantage machines that I don't think enough people are looking at right now. And they protect themselves by giving themselves hexproof. So yeah, it's a good one. Another one, speaking of adjacent to hexproof, mm-hmm. all that glitters is another good one to pick up. It's just mm-hmm. because of Pioneer, you have the Insol decks that tend to run all that glitters. There are some modern affinity lists that are starting to run it alongside Nettlesys and Cranial Plating. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an uncommon, so you are you just got to think as they're on commons in a set that's not really available anymore that price might fluctuate a bit but i always feel like all that glitters is another one that you know that could creep up just because it's quite powerful yeah there's not a lot of cards with that specific kind of effect it's very unique so yeah yeah, it's one to keep an eye on Mm -hmm. now the next set we're going to be talking about is theros beyond death which also broke a lot of things in half uh (laughs) so generally with this set, we're going to be talking about a little bit more expensive cards because they aren't likely to see reprint for quite a long time and they all see quite a bit of play. For example, Thassa's Oracle, which is one of the more popular alternate win conditions, if not the most popular alternate win condition in Commander now, that is already at like 7 or $8 plus at the moment. Yeah. And that's only going to go up because, well, rotation, so... If you haven't picked these up yet, now is the single best time to do it. It's 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 just so good for like Commander as well, and while it doesn't see playing like Pioneer because obviously Inverter got banned, mm. it's just another effect that's it's just going to come around again at some point because there's just something that's going to make you mill yeah. yourself out and play this. Like yeah. it's just a really powerful effect. Which I'm on a side note, surprised it's not banned in Commander yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not fun, is it? It's not Let's particularly enjoyable. <laughs> Like, the, I, lo- I love Labman because you have that tension of you have to draw a card. And if the draw a card, say, like a preordain or something is on the stack and someone kills your Labman, you're dead. That kind of tension doesn't exist with a Thassa's Oracle, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, we've also got other cards. Underworld Breach, not particularly expensive right now, but that will creep up because it sees an awful lot of play in Commander. It sees some play in Modern, but it's mostly like any Commander deck that wants to either just have a burst of value from the graveyard or do really busted stuff from the bin. Underworld Breach is probably going to be the culprit behind it, so yeah. there's that. Shadow Spear is a weird one. because It's pretty pop- expensive. Yeah, it is really expensive. It's It's gotten to, what, like $15, $20 or something now? Yeah, because of Urza Saga. Yeah, exactly. It, it gets fetched up with Urza Saga, which is, is pretty important. It's also pretty good in Commander in general because removing Hexproof and Indestructible from stuff is pretty good, turns out. But this is only going to go up in price. I'm glad I picked yeah. up one. I think I picked up mine like six weeks ago, thereabouts, for my SUR and yeah, deck. Yeah, I picked up my copy when I started building Neoform Affinity. 
And I was just like, I paid £10 for it and I yeah. felt pretty good about that. Just as a single copy, it just seems fine. And also the fact it has trample as well is a big deal mm. on a colourless sort of equipment is really, really big deal. Yeah. Um, and as you said, the indestructible hexproof thing comes up as well. It's just cheap and powerful. Like I can't see them reprinting this unless it's in like a Commander Precon in a couple of years' time. As with any Theros set, like the original Theros set, a lot of the gods will probably be expensive at some point just because oh, yeah. of their commander sort of application, right? Stuff like Fassa, I think is a quite an expensive one just because they like to blink a lot. Clothis mm. is another good example because yeah. it just has this interaction from the graveyard. And then you have Heliod because it goes combo with Walking oh, yeah. Ballista, which sees which saw a lot of play in modern. It's not seen as much play now, but it's still a viable mm. modern deck. And then you've got stuff like Uro. Even though Uro is banned in like every format pretty much, mm. it is still legal in Commander. And it's a pretty good Commander to have at the helm just because it's generically Simic good stuff, TM. Yep. And and then you've got the other one as well. So you've got Croxer, which is seeing heavy, heavy yeah. play in Modern at the moment just because it's really good with Lurus. Mm. And then these like red-black decks. And that's just going to go up because Croxer is just so powerful because it's just a, a discard. It's interaction coupled with a, a, a huge threat. So that's just only going to get get more pricey yeah. i think yeah absolutely every single one of these is going up. also like with shadow spear it's just gonna be really difficult to reprint any of these in just a product exactly so yeah. Yeah. it's just gonna make the demand forever yeah that's it if that's as oracle for example had a different name like just underwater oracle you could maybe give it a different art and then like fit it yeah. in somewhere but because all of these are so heavily tied to theros you just you can't put them in anywhere, really. We've already had Crocs in a secret lair and Ura in a secret lair, so What's they won't be coming while? soon. Yep. Uh, and the gods, actually, all the gods have been in secret lairs too. Yep. They all came in one big packet, didn't they? So, yeah, yeah. If you want, if you want some nice gods for Commander, I'd probably pick them up soon, just because mm-hmm. they're probably going to go up. One hundred percent. There's one last card from Taros that I want to point out, and normally we focus on sort of mythics and rares for the rotation unless we've a particular reason for it mostly because they're the ones that are more likely to increase by a reasonable price you know so and that is soul guide lantern because it sees quite a lot of play specifically in the likes of modern and stuff because it nukes opposing graveyards if you wanted to and can be recurred with luris doesn't touch your own graveyard which is nice so also you can get it off an urza saga you can yes she's also big money Mm mm-hmm so if you haven't picked up these yet i picked up i think i picked up like eight of these like about two months ago just because i was like i know i'm going to be searching for more of these in my collection every time i build a deck and i'm like where's those soul guide lanterns gone when and, yeah. i picked up my urza saga shortly after mh2 came out because they were at like their lowest price i picked up like four addicts four soul guide lanterns four piffin needles <laughs> just like i need the package basically yeah. so it just seemed the best way to do it um, and another one I want to mention quickly is Cling to Dust, which is the mm. black uncommon that exiles a card from a graveyard and you draw a card and it has escape. In like modern and pioneer, that could be quite good because it, it's sort of like brief play in modern, right? For a little bit in like Death mm. Shadow decks. Um, I just really like the idea of having this cheap black cantrip that can just re- like in- like interact with the graveyard. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be expensive, but it's just a really cool card just to keep an eye out on just because it attacks on an axis that, you know, modern cares about. Yep. I'm a big fan of the card. Yeah, it's good. So that is it for Theros Beyond Death. Next one, Ikoria, Layer of Behemoths. So oh. whew, the companion set, the, the third set in a row that broke the game in some form. <laughs> Pick up companions, 
That's all I really gotta say. Just pick up. Pick up Loras and Urian. Loras, Urian, Kahira sometimes for those weird blue white control decks. Yeah, uh, that's a weird one. I get why, but it's just like weird. Yeah. Karuga for your companion or for your commander decks. Same with Zerda. Zerda's quite popular there. Obosh, if you're planning on doing Obosh Red and Modern, they all actually see quite a bit of play in different formats and situations, mm. except for Umori, which I feel real bad about because I yes. just want to have an Umori. You know what annoys me? I want to have an Umori commander deck where they are the companion, but the whole deck is full of instants. But I can't Ooh. do that. I can't do that because yeah. the commander can't be an instant, which means no. they automatically don't work. Sucks, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, right? It's, it's terrible. Terrible. Anyway, companions. They're important. Luris, obviously, being the most important one. Yorion shortly after. Yeah, pick them up. If you ever plan on using them, now's a good time to get at least one because, like that, you know, if they don't fit your main deck, they're good as one of in your sideboard. Um, Dranath Magistrate is one that I didn't expect to show up all that much, but shows up quite a bit in Commander because, surprise, surprise, it turns off people casting their commanders and yeah. casting stuff from Exile or from the Bane or whatever. Seeing Fringe play in Modern in mm-hmm. White decks just because it deals with Cascade yep. as well. It gets around the Rhinos, you know, those those turn-free Rhinos that you see. Yep. It's a really powerful card and I can just see it going up just because of just what it does in Commander. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a free sort of negate against, you know, Commanders at, at the table. Yep. Just a powerful card. It is quite nice. Another thing that, surprise, surprise, is going to probably continue to rise in price is the land cycle from this, and that's the Triomes. They're already hefty enough for what they are. Tap lands, let's be real, they're tap lands. Yeah. It's because you can fetch them up on turn one in modern and just have them come in tapped because you might not have a play anyway. It's very low investment, you know. Generally, you'd only need one per deck that you're building, depending on what deck it is, but they're good. If you think that you could benefit from them, now's the time to get them. Yes, especially if you play like three, four, five colour commander decks as well. Mm, yeah. Which is a lot of those these days because they just keep pumping out five colour commanders. So, of course, you're going to want the Triumphs. Mm-hmm. One I'm kind of glad to see out of standard and just, you know, not play into open blue manner is Shark Typhoon. It's another yeah. powerful card. Yeah. I much prefer hard casting this over cycling it. Yeah. Just just for the, you know, the onboard effect, it's. It's great. And it's because it's I'm leaning great. a little more commander wise now that I'm like, yeah. in casting instants and sorceries, I'm going to be doing, like, getting some good value out of this. But I will say, it, it feels terrible to be on the receiving end of a, of a shark, but it feels real good to cast it, though. Or, like, well, cycle yes. it. Cycle it. It feels real good when someone attacks in with a 3 3 and you're like, I'm going to make a 4 4 shark that eats yeah. your thing and I draw a card. Get wrecked. Whee! So, yeah. yeah. It's just nice to not have that, not to play around that in standard anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, lovely. We, we, had, we had enough stress and tension with having to play around Settle, and then we had Shark Typhoon, and I dread to think what's next. Hopefully nothing, but you know. Nothing, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> the final thing on the list for Ikoria here, any mutate cards, specifically if you want to build a commander deck with them, but also a couple of things like Gem Razor shows up from time to time in like green aggro decks in Pioneer. They show up occasionally in like hardened scales, sideboards, and modern that sort of stuff. If there's any that you think you might have a home for somewhere, now's a good time to pick them up. Or if you just like the look of say like a Luna Apex of Wishes or whatever it is as a commander, just pick it up now. Like it's probably mm-hmm. the cheapest it's going to be for insert X amount of time until they reprint it somehow. 
So. Yeah, mutate's a weird one because it's not just a mechanic they can just bring back into a random set. So it's yeah. going to be a while till we see that kind of design again, if mm. we do, because I know a lot of people are quite hit and miss with the mechanic overall. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that is Coria. Not a whole lot there, to be honest. But Core Set 21. This is the last one. And this was a bit of a strange one because when I first started looking at it, I was like, there's like nothing in this Core Set, right? And then... I realized there was nothing that was particularly flashy and amazing that was standing out. I was like, oh, this is an amazing pickup now, but there's just lots of little good ones. Loads of little yeah. good ones. The thing is with core sets, they tend to be reprint sets just to mm. keep cards in standard. So this is why you see stuff like Mind Rot, Negate, and Evolving yeah. Wilds in standard frequently because they come in these core sets. They've kind of got rid of core sets now if looking mm. at next year's schedule um, on a side note. But yeah, you get some really, really just good, powerful cards. So a good example is, I know we talked about it before the recording, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Yeah. Like, it's it's gone down in price and it's stayed down in price. And even after rotation, it's probably not going to go up. But it's mm. just still a really good card to pick up for Commander, if you want to play Tron, if you want to play, like, Mono Green Planeswalker Ramp in, in Pioneer, if mm. that's still a thing. It's still one of the best, like, colourless Planeswalkers about. Yeah, and the fact that Corsair 21 has been out for as long as it has been now, and it still hasn't really changed a whole lot in price, I wouldn't be feeling pressured to pick my Yugans up anytime soon. No. Because it would probably take a good amount of time for this to start creeping back up again. Um, which is nice. It's nice that, like, you know, price memory can be defeated sometimes. So, yeah. because yeah, I remember when Fate Reforged came out, when Ugin was mm. first, in, you know, printed, and it was, like, a £50 card because of Tron being so good at the time. So yeah. the fact that it's, like, under half that now is really, really good for it people nice. who want to pick up Tron. Yeah. Speaking of other colourless-related things, Chromatic Orrery shows up quite a bit in Commander for a number of reasons it can do all sorts of ridiculous stuff it could be part of an engine it could be part of a combo it could be all sorts so it is a bit pricey at the moment but it's not getting any cheaper so it might suck to have to dish out for it now but you might potentially dish out twice as much for it in a year's time so mm. there's that one of my favorite cards from corset 21 that is really good if you cast it off a, uh, if you use a uh, torrential gear hulk is sublime epiphany you which sees a lot <laughs> um, which oh, sees a lot of play in Commander it saw a little bit of play in Pioneer I believe with Torrential Gear Hulk it's just a really good card that just does anything you want it to like it's good at all points of the game sort of thing and just the fact it's got such a high ceiling probably mean its price is going to go up mm -hmm. especially with Commander in mind it's going to be more of a Command effect than a Constructed effect I think I am going to go on record and say that Sublime Epiphany is to Commander as Cryptic Command is to Modern that's about, I, I agree with that. Cryptic Command is like fine in Commander, but Sublime Epiphany is so good. It is so, so good. The amount of times that I've gotten like five different things off of that card in one go with like no setup. It's just, it's such incredible value. If you want to play a six mana instant for anything at all, make it Sublime Epiphany. It is so good. Huge fan. Um, <laughs> the last card, I popped this card on here. Uh, from Corset 21. I have this in my Sir Conrad deck, and basically every time I've cast it, I've won the game. And that's Peer into the Abyss. So, you know, draw half your deck, lose half your life. If you can't win the game with half your deck in your hand, your deck's terrible. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's, oh God, it, it feels so good. It feels so good. I cannot stress enough how good this feels. But 
yeah, it's one of like the biggest impact spells that you can possibly cast. But that's for a reason. Like, if this doesn't get countered, you basically win. This will probably end up going up. It's kind of like Adnos in that sense. Yeah. But yeah, I think I prefer it because <laughs> I know when I'm casting it exactly what I'm going to get out of it and how much life I'm going to lose and that sort of stuff. I think I prefer the consistency of this, I suppose. But mm. yeah, if you are a black mage in any sort of sense in Commander, definitely pick up Appearance of the Abyss. Yeah, it's a good one. And then I believe you had stuff like Elder Gargaroth and Terror of the Peaks yeah. in Core Set 21. They are, I know they're expensive and they're mythics, but those are also both quite good cards to have, especially Terror of the Peaks for yeah. like Dragon Decks and Commander. It's a really good, really good one to have. And then Elder Gargaroth sees like Fringe Player Modern with like Ponza and a little bit in Pioneer and like the Green Rampy style decks mm. as well. So if you have those lining around, they may be worth just keeping a hold of as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, when it comes to the commons and uncommons, honestly, if you can get your way down to an LGS or something and just rifle through a couple of boxes of stuff that's just recently rotated, just do. Pull out, like, you know, see if you can do some sort of deal. Like, oh, I'll give you 20 quid and... Scavenging Ooze is another one as well, wasn't that in course at Scavenging 21? Scavenging yeah, yeah. I, that, I like. that has dropped quite heavily, and I think it's sort of stuck down mm. there now. So, again, it'd be similar to Ugin, only on a smaller scale in that I wouldn't be too mm. concerned about it creeping up anytime soon. But, like, if, if green is the kind of thing you like doing and you might have spare banner lying around in any of your decks, Scavenging Ooze. Yeah. Scavenging Ooze is actually really good graveyard hate in Commander. I don't think it gets enough credit for what oh, it can yeah. do because you've got loads of spare mana lying around, especially in green. So, you just start taking some stuff out of bins and getting some counters, yeah. you know. It's all good. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. But with... Commons and uncommons, yes, just, like, I don't know, offer your LGS, like, 20 quid or something to, like, run through a couple of boxes and just put out some commons and uncommons, and you're supporting them, you're getting a little bit of a good deal, they're getting rid of some of the bulk that they're otherwise going to have to try and find a way to get rid of. It's win-win, you know, so that might be something worth looking into. That's kind of why we sort of focus on the, the rares and mythics, because this kind of angle might be uh, might be beneficial for everyone involved, you know, mm. so... But that is it. They're the four sets that are rotating. I am so glad to see the back of basically every one of these sets. Same. Oh, like God. so glad. Yeah. It's. I would have hated to play all these sets like if there wasn't a pandemic. Granted, pandemic mm. took a lot of it. Yeah. But just you know, oh man, it's just not fun, is it? Stand up was just horrible for the longest time. Actually, what what what's really funny when you mentioned like these sets and the pandemic. I know Akoria was the first set pandemic-wise because mm. we got Eldraine, we got like Eldraine and then most of Theros and then Akoria was like yeah. the first sort of set with the pandemic in mind. Yeah, so. Theros Beyond Death wasn't long out when I was in Brussels for mm. the GP there, or Magic Fest, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was when things were starting to kick off a little bit. You know, like I had a couple of opponents being like, I'm not going to shake hands if that's okay. And we were like, yeah, that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we were in lockdown like four weeks later. So that's how I remember where it was. Otherwise, I would have absolutely no clue, you know. Yeah. But funny enough, only in the last week, right, I went down to play Modern in Gamers World on uh -huh. Tuesday here in Dublin. And then the Thursday before, I was down in the War Chest in Dunleary. And they were the first two times I've ever had to announce a companion in paper same it's weird I've, I, yeah because i've got a uh, gigantha in tron yeah i've got in gigantha in infinity because it's just free real estate yeah <laughs> this is it and i was just like uh 
declare tell you my companion is this how it yeah. works because I've, I've never done it before right like, is it before dice roll after dice roll like as you're looking like, at your hand as you're shuffling up when is it don't don't <laughs> shuffle gigantha into your deck you know yeah. that's thing it's just like what <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah i'm glad that uh i'm glad that i've i've gotten to do that now at least i guess sort of <laughs> yeah. i don't know <laughs> with the errata yeah yeah <laughs> all right so that will do it for the rotation pickups and Mm -hmm. talking about how these sets were all kind of weird and broken and ruined magic and were also in the middle of a pandemic and made everything awkward everything is fine the meme yeah i mean it is kind of now sort of ish Mm. yeah listeners you can't you can't see this but we're, we're both basically just like waving our hands side to side being like eh, eh, sort of so yes rounding us off emma have we got any q a we have a small amount of q a this week so we'll fire off of evie the mage who says on twitter when pulling valuable cards you want to keep how do you incorporate them into 60 card formats do you run them as one-offs or do you wait till you have the complete playset He's asking because he opened the Ragavan and he's just questioning uh, everything right now. So nice on opening the Ragavan. Nice. This, is, this is a good one. What would you do? Like, I would just jam it. I would just put it in, to be honest, because I'd rather have one than none at all. Yeah, see, now it depends on what it is. With the Ragavan, you mm. can just put it in and go, like, because it's just good stuff, right? Yeah, um, it's just a great card. However, I had the opportunity to trade for an Urza Saga recently for Affinity, because I'm playing it without them mm. at the moment, because money right yeah Uh, and i chose not to trade for it because i was going to wait until i could afford to get all four and put them in and the reason for that is because i would have to change how my affinity deck is built because i would need to put in a shadow spear and i'd need to put in a ginger brute and i might need a pithing needle and that sort of stuff and that actually fundamentally changes the deck if i put in a single urza saga i won't feel like it's a smart idea to go and put all those things in which means i've just got a random urza saga which Sure, seems like a good thing on paper by itself, but it means that I can't really rely on it because it's not consistently there. It just feels like it's sort of not really fulfilling the full purpose of its role in the deck at that point. So Mm. I personally, depending on what it is, would wait until I have the playset or until I can afford the playset. But stuff like Ragavan, where it's just real good. Yeah, just jam it in. Yeah. Um, and lastly, we have a question from the Joe Cheney uh, on the BMCast Discord, and they ask, are you excited for Crimson Vow previews that start next week? And when we mean by next week, uh, 4th of October is the suspected date for previews. So that's that's exciting. I honestly wasn't expecting to have another preview season before this hangover ended. <laughs> How long do you plan to be hungover? <laughs> uh, how soon do they plan on releasing another set? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not it's not confirmed, but I've I've heard rumours that it's in the next few weeks we're going to start getting Crimson Vale previews, which is great because it's been like a week and a half since Midnight Haunt came out, like right. tabletop, and it's just like let us just enjoy these sets, please, Watsy. Thanks. Yeah. So the thing is, unless you're terminally on Twitter or you're a content creator, it kind of doesn't really affect you all that much because. You'll just find out, like, oh, the new set's out next week or whatever, in a few weeks' time or something, you know? Whereas we literally see them all the time. Like, every two minutes, you know, we're taking a break from mm-hmm. doing something and we open, like, Twitter and we're like, ah, oh, it's there too. I get you know? I get PTSD from seeing MTG Goldfish notifications just from all the previews that they're uploading. And it's just like, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> just go away. Yeah. Now, 
I've said it before. I'm generally a pretty big fan of having lots of little preview seasons happening fairly regularly and not very spaced out because mm. it means that rather than having to give some of my time as a creator to dedicate towards like what am I going to choose to work on and stuff, it's kind of pre-made for me with the number of things that are coming out like i know that i'm going to do like a budget pickups guide best new commanders from this set or you know this kind of thing like i'll have like four or five different topics that i'll cover and then i'll just wash rinse repeat with the next set and Mm. while that might sound like it's a little bit lazy just being like well i'm going to do the same thing for every set it's a nice bit of consistency so people know what they're look what they're in for when they go to see my content but also it means that rather than sitting down having to like try and come up with all of these ideas I now get to focus more on inc- improving yeah. the quality of the stuff, and that's great. But at the same time, I'm still not through my friggin' Midnight Hunt stuff, and you're already trying to shove Crimson back. Please count it. Just, just a little I'm, bit count I'm not <laughs> done with Modern Horizons two. <laughs> like I'm still, I'm still in that that ballpark. But no, I agree with you because one thing you don't really hear from creators is like, oh, I've got writer's block. I don't know what the hell to write about this mm-hmm. week. It's a quiet week. There's nothing going on. What, what do I fill the gap with? Um, and the beautiful thing about preview season for despite how many there are, it keeps you on that path. It keeps you honest. Yep. Like you don't have to worry about it. It's like, yep, I can just focus on this thing. That's three weeks of my time. Three weeks done. Then I can like, yeah. then, I got, then I've got the release so I can work, I can write some stuff about release and the cards and stuff. So that's like another two weeks. So you've got like five weeks of stuff and then there's another set coming out. Yep. So as all, for as much as we complain, it's nice sometimes to remove that stress of, crap i don't know what i'm writing about this week because nothing's happening you know yeah you know it's that sort of thing so yeah it is it is nice to be absolved with the responsibility of having to think which is that's why you're hung over right good. yeah you know what i need <laughs> i need more food and coffee <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, and Jamie Coyle. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip. Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker. Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.